welcome back to The Pew, everybody. I am your host, John Edwards, and I'm excited again to bring you guys a bonus episode of Just a Guy in the Pew. If you have been a donor, a patron, or someone that's just been listening, you know that because of the generous donations, we've been able to acquire some video equipment, and, and now we're able to add some video to the podcast every once in a while. And we've been doing these interviews with some of our favorite Catholic speakers and presenters and priests, and now I'm honored to say a bishop. Today, our guest is going to be uh, Bishop David Talley from the Diocese of Memphis. You know that I live in the Diocese of Memphis if you've been listening to the show, and I'm just so honored to have him on. But first, I want to tell you a little bit about him. Uh, bishop David Talley was first an auxiliary bishop in Atlanta. Then he made the journey over to uh, Alexandria, and he was the bishop there. And now, uh, by the grace of God, and, and we're all so glad here in the diocese, he is the uh, bishop of the Diocese of Memphis, and we're so glad to have him. So without further ado, I want to bring on my friend, the most reverend, Bishop David Talley. Bishop Talley, it's great to have you here. Thanks for joining us. Thanks so much, John. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, well, it's been something I've wanted to do for a while. I know you're a busy guy and you got a lot going on, so I thank you for taking the time. And, you know, we've got a lot of guys that listen to us. We have a lot of, of, of ladies that listen to us, too. And I just thought it would be a unique thing to bring on a bishop in these times that we're in and to talk about just things that, as a church, I think a lot of people are longing for. Um, you know, one of the things you love to talk about, that I just from what I've heard you in the homilies and, and the times I've been with you, is the new evangelization and the charisma. But there's times where I think, and I know, I'll be the first to admit this, I didn't know what that meant for a long time. You know, I was raised Baptist, never heard of Kerygma, and certainly didn't know what the new evangelization was. It was something in the, in the Protestant church that we kind of, it was just evangelization. So I wanted to know if you could start off there and, and, and talk to us a little bit about what is the new evangelization and, and what role should it play in our lives as Catholics today? Good. I'll, I'll, um, I don't have notes in front of me, but I will do what I can. Um, the last three bishops of Rome have spoken about this need, uh, this need to evangelize anew. Uh, John Paul II, John Paul the Great was the first. And, uh, and, and he put it this way. He talked about, uh, in, in several different uh, uh, meetings and conferences um, uh, and writings, he talked about how um, uh, the power of Christianity that had influenced uh, the life of Europe and been the foundation of cult, the culture of Europe. He saw it in his own Poland, he saw it in Italy. Uh, there had been a decline um, in the, the, uh, the zeal and the faithfulness uh, uh, among the people of God uh, in these uh, formerly Christian countries. And so John Paul and after him Benedict and now Francis, they're all saying the same thing. That yes, uh, uh, those who have never heard the word uh, we are called to bring the word of God to them. But there are many people, including many here in West Tennessee, who have grown up uh, as disciples of Jesus or heard about the man from Nazareth, who may be part of our Catholic Church. But because of lots of different reasons, uh, the, the zeal and fire of the Lord no longer animates their life. So the last three bishops have said, we must have a new evangelization, bringing back uh, with zeal and fire and love uh, and commitment of uh, the message of Jesus Christ. And so that is what I'm about here in West Tennessee, to bring uh, this newness, uh, the freshness of the Lord uh, back to, to the front pages of our papers and our people's hearts. Amen. Amen. Well said. Do you think, I mean, one of the reasons for it now is probably, I mean, obviously the over-secularization of the culture, that it sort of started to try to 
breed its way into the church and into our hearts as lay people and as priests. And it just affects a lot of our church. Um, is that the main need? I mean, one of the biggest needs for that new evangelization now. And how do you address, or how would you as a bishop address the need for it now with all of this stuff that we see going on in the news and where we are as a country right now? Yeah, well, for your listeners and your, and your, and your viewers, it's important for us always to take a step back and look at uh, the tradition of the church, uh, the mystery of the church in our history. This has been an issue with Christ's church from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the very beginning in Jerusalem, and then as uh, as all the apostles brought Christ's message uh, to the cities, um, and and today's Israel, but also uh, throughout the Mediterranean, and up, then up to Rome, at that time the center of the world, there's always a tension between uh, finding uh, the, the people who need to hear God's good news mm. and the culture that has bound them. Uh, and it's happened throughout our history. Today, uh, in in our country, we live in a, uh, many call it a post-Christian secular environment Mm -hmm. where we believe in uh, government, we believe in science, but the mystery of God, the mystery of faithfulness is no longer the first thing people think about it. And so our work, not negating uh, the, the place of government, not negating the beauty of science, but uh, lifting up what uh, the mystery of the faith life does to the heart of man and woman, and how we, animated with Christ's love, can, can do great work within government and within science, within arts, within all the fields mm-hmm. of human endeavor, animated by the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Well, this is something that I, that I think a lot of people could assume, and I did it one time in my life too. When you hear a word like the new evangelization, sometimes you can automatically think, well, that's what the priests are doing. Right, that's what the clergy's doing. That's what the leaders of the church are doing. That let's let me stop, sir. That's why it's failed, because it's not the priests of the church. Forgive me for interrupting you, but I knew where you were going, John. It's about the baptized. It's, it's about, about taking the, the power of baptism. baptism. We are all radically equal uh, as baptized disciples of Jesus. Yes, I have a role now, a place, a part to play as a shepherd of West Tennessee. But all of us who have been anointed with power, the power of God's love, all of us are called to be instruments of his peace and instruments of salvation for our neighbor. This is exactly what Jesus talked about. It wasn't just to his apostles. It was to all who would hear him in good news. And so, yes, uh, this new evangelization is, is for me, for my brother priests and deacons, but it's for people just like you, John, a lay leader, uh, a family man, who has uh, the love of God in your heart for you to be a leader among the, your peers and remind them that all of us radically uh, at radically equal in Christ's love are called with our own gifts to bring good news to all we meet. Yeah. Um, you know, one thing you've said to me before is that 99% of the church is on the other side of the altar. Yes. Um, and, and, and it's something I love to hear. Can you talk about that just a little bit more? I know you, you did just there for a second, but... Um, again, I just want to reinforce, because I, I know there's so many people that I talk to a lot, guys that listen to the show, and they're dealing with all the stuff that, that men deal with, whether it's pornography or, or anger or pride. or And they, they kind of have this image of, I'm not useful to God because of the mistakes I've made. They identify with that instead of identifying with being a beloved son of God. So how do they, in your opinion, how do you, they move from that 
false identity of the, the accuser, the father of lies, telling them all these things that they aren't and start believing what they can be in Jesus Christ. Well, let, let me first give an example of what you're talking about, and then mm-hmm. I'll, I'll respond to your question. Sure. Uh, to all of, uh, of your viewers and listeners who are Catholic, uh, remember that after uh, the anaphora, uh, the, the prayer of Eucharist, before we receive the living bread, what do we do? We, we, we pray the Lord's Prayer together. Mm. And, and the, the, the priest or the bishop, uh, our part is, is to say, we, we dare to say. Um, and, and then the next thing is, is our Father. But this is what I do, John. I dropped my earplugs just to say. That's okay. <laughs> Happens to the best of us. <laughs> this is what I do. When I'm presiding at liturgy, I don't speak in my, in my microphone, the Our Father. I wait to hear the people. Hmm. And oftentimes in parishes, they won't respond. They don't begin. They wait for me. Hmm. That's the problem. Wow. That's the problem that what we have to do is to hear that though we have uh, uh, great bishops, I know many great and holy bishops, uh, some, have, some have had difficulties, but, but by and large, the bishops I know are great men, the priests I know are great men, and we have a part to play. But 99.9% of the men and women who are, who are in the heart of God through his son Jesus are on the other side of that altar. And the work of the church is the work of the 99.9% of people just like you and the 0.1% of people just like me together uh, to proclaim Jesus Christ in all that we do. Uh, You talked about the men, especially uh, watching this show. Um, And most parish priests, if they're honest uh, with their hearers, would say this, that our women... Uh, are such a strength in our parishes yeah. that women give the, give each parish its life. You find four or five or six women in each of the parishes that have an extraordinary grasp of the gifts and talents of, of the, the parish itself. What we have to do as brothers is to call men to responsibility, to accountability, especially men who have been given the holy vocation of marriage. First of all, you are to be a leader in your domestic church, mm-hmm. man and woman together in the holy vocation of marriage. You are the domestic church, and if God provides the gift of children, your work, and you are the primary formators of the children, I will do my part. I will assist. But it's first of all for moms and dads be the primary teachers. But then after you form in the home, you go out to your places of work. It's there that the men of God and the women of God can manifest the glory of God by living Jesus Christ. Living Jesus Christ as a construction worker, as a driver of a cab, uh, as an executive, uh, all the jobs you could think of as a surgeon, to live Jesus Christ within your vocation uh, for the world to see that uh, the good news is for everyone. Hmm. How important is that? You, you said something there that, that struck me, and it was about your actions, living it out. And I know that in times, it's very easy to go out and sort of to say things, to, to, to uh, I don't want to say preach, but to proclaim things to people. 
but then we don't always live it in our actions. And this can be very contradictory to people. You know, you see it a lot of times on social media where you see people that claim very to be very devout and very, but then you see people attacking each other. And yeah. as someone, as an outsider, someone who's not Christian, that could see that and say, why would I ever want to be a Christian? Because you act no different than I do, right? Yes. Like there's, there's the contradiction there. So how do we address that as a people? And what do you have to say about that? Well, first, let me say yes to it. You're exactly right. And this is, and this is why uh, um, it is so scandalous. And we have been hurt by scandal. It is so scandalous to see a, a bishop or a priest or a deacon or a sister uh, or a lay leader uh, to talk the talk, but then not to live the life. Now, I'm not saying that everyone, um, everyone uh, is called to an absolute sanctity. We all are struggling as pilgrims, but, but we are called to live the life. Yeah. to live the life uh, each hour of each day, and to seek that. Yeah. Um, and so that's what I, I encourage everyone to hear, that, that we are called to be men and women of prayer and of the Word, to immerse yourself in the Word of God. And yes, to the, to cor the corporate nature of community, because fellowship is not about the individual and the living God, who is three persons in one. Uh, it's not the individual alone. It's us within the the fabric of the community, mm -hmm. the family, the parish, the diocese, together uh, as God's people to proclaim the kingdom. Yeah. Well, you mentioned, since we're on the subject of sharing the gospel and, and, and going out and making a difference in the places where you are, I mean, a lot of times I think we think we've got to make this massive impact at once instead of in the present moment, in the in the individual times that, that Christ presents himself and someone else in front of us, which could be at the grocery store or how you act when somebody cuts you off in traffic or any of those things, how we, how we act. But one of the things that I think that people struggle with is it, we mentioned the word kerygma earlier. And a lot of people, I don't think, knows, know, you know, know what that means. Um, and they don't know what it calls them to being able to go out and proclaim. You know, the most powerful, in my opinion, uh, and this is my humble opinion, way to share Christ is with the witness of your own life, with the experiences that you've had with them. But we still have to be able to share the story of what happened, why it's important to somebody else, and the great yes. love story. So would you mind speaking to that and, and what the curriculum has meant to you and what it should mean to people when we're presenting the faith. Well, you, you're right in that what we preach with our lives. This is that's the thing that we it's, it's popularized, whether he said it or not. Uh, the thing that we we hear about with Francis about uh, always preach, use words if necessary. Yeah. But the, the the sentiment, the idea is exactly right. I preach with with who I am, um, um, uh, broken by sin but redeemed by Christ and so I'm a man and, and love with the world because I have found that God has loved me first mm. God loves me now God wants me to become his love um, and so so you were correct that's how that's how you and I preach mm -hmm. but we also have to know uh, how this God has manifested himself through his revealed truth his revealed word the gift of his son uh, that's the kerygma the kerygma is the essential I'm having a problem with my earphones. That's okay. That's okay. The kerygma is the is the essential revelation of God. That word revelation. Uh, another way of looking at revelation is the un, the unveiling of God's truth. Colossians 1:15 says that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Just take that to heart for a second. Hmm. 
the immensity of God, the creator of all that is, of all that we know, save sin, that creator, the invisible one, the awesome and majestic one, that image of that creator is seen in the image, our image, the image of humanity in Jesus of Nazareth. We have to know the story of Jesus. He was revealed once in time. He lives forever, but we must come to understand how he was revealed. And he was revealed from Torah, hmm. from the exit experience, through the prophets, until his birth. So yes, the kerygma is to, to say, with all of my heart, Jesus is Lord, but how do I know him? I come to know him through fellowship, through being taught by another, through accepting him in my heart, through reading and praying over the revealed word, which are the sacred scriptures. Mm -hmm. And we should all- And the life of the church. Yeah, yes, sir. Uh, now we should all be able to, to proclaim that too in a way of speaking from the beginning to, to basically when Christ ascended, correct? Uh, where we can say this is, you know, this is what happened. This is the salvation story that sin and death came into the world through Adam and Eve. And then uh, God wanted us to, to reconcile with us, uh, with his people. So he sent his son to die. And then to go through those steps of, and I think sometimes we get caught up in, in the, the part of the gospel message and we stop at the point where Christ is going to ask us to join his church, to become baptized, to receive the right, Holy right, Spirit, right. and then to share it. What are your thoughts there? Well, a well, couple of things. Uh, one, and I, I don't need to be a, um, uh, to, to influence any of your listeners with one specific study Bible. Sure. But many of the study Bibles now are helping us because, because salvation history, as it once was called, the many moments have, of how God has revealed his will, his love, his plan for humanity, uh, it's, it's so vast and big. How do I know all of those things? But you can learn key things, and the New mm -hmm. Study Bibles allow you to know the 15 or 20 or 40 different points that you reference how God has come inside of his own creation through uh, the law given to Moses and Aaron, through the prophets, through, the, through King David, mm -hmm. uh, through finally through his son Yeshua, to learn these things. Mm -hmm. But once you have learned them, and, and knowing that you have been given the gift of faith to believe in what God has revealed, then your work is to hear how you are called to be a revealer of the word to others. This is the key for us and, and lots of Catholics and lots of people, uh, Christian people with, that are not full, in fully communion with us, we miss this part. Yes, that we can speak of Jesus. We can speak of his passion. We can speak of the glory of his cross. And the, and the majesty of his resurrection. But the next two pieces are vitally important. After he rose and spoke to his apostles and, and, and healed their hearts, especially Simon who denied him, he left this good earth. He ascended. He said to his friends, don't go anywhere because you will receive power from on high. Pentecost in the Acts of the Apostles speaks of the church here and now. For we are a Pentecostal people. We are a people of the Holy Spirit. We are formed as the little flock of Jesus to receive the Spirit and then to be instruments of the Spirit as the kingdom of God is proclaimed to all the world. Yeah, I, you know, and I think there's something here I want to talk about for just a second too. You mentioned the Holy Spirit. You mentioned Pentecost. And I believe that 
a lot of times we have a good relationship with God the Father. We have a good relationship with Jesus Christ. We, we pray to them. We speak to them maybe because we can envision them as a figure in our mind. But then you have the Holy Spirit. And a lot of people have come to me and said, I, I know the Holy Spirit is a part of the Trinity, but how do I, as, as the Bible says, stir up into flame that which was in me, you know, which, was, which is within me. Um, how does someone, do we start to pray to the Holy Spirit? I mean, in your opinion, how do we start to, to really build that relationship with what we need to truly go out and evangelize? Well, a couple of things. First, read, this, read the scriptures and, and hear how Paul, specifically Paul, Peter and Paul speak of the Holy Spirit. But a couple of things, Romans 5, 5, uh, the love of God has been poured into our hearts. The love of God, love, God is love. Mm -hmm. What does that say? God's life, God's life has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. God who is Father and Son and Spirit. There is one God. We, we can say with, with, with all of our heart, there's Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. But Jesus of Nazareth has allowed us to understand that God, as one, is a dynamic relational love of Father, loving Son, and the Spirit. And we have to grasp that mystery. Here's, here's how one of the ways I used to teach when I was a parish priest. I would talk to the kids and then I'd, in adult, adult classes, I would say, all right, I, you, you receive Eucharist each year. Each day, each, each Sunday, you receive Eucharist. But, but uh, one, of, one of the mysteries of the rosary is the ascension of Jesus, the risen Lord. So if he's ascended to the mystery of God at the right hand of the Father, then how do you receive him? Hmm. How do you receive the Lord Jesus? How does he live in your heart? He lives in your heart through the power of God's life that is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit living within us here and now. In the mystery of God, the Father and the Son are together in that kingdom that's unfolding before our eyes. But here and now, the Spirit of the Father and the Son is alive in our hearts and in the church and in the sacraments and in the Word. Hmm. Well, I want to, that, that was beautiful. I, I want to change gears just for a second here, and I want to talk about something I know is near and dear to your heart. Ezekiel thirty-six twenty-six. It's a verse that you love very much. And there's a lot of guys, as I said before, that listen to this show that, that find it and they're struggling. And again, they may have that thing where I had in my life at one time, how can I possibly do anything with the Lord for what I've done in my life? Why would he use me? Why would he need me? How can I be affect his kingdom in any way? And I think that verse speaks especially to that um, and what the Lord can do to and for us. Um, but I know it's, it's very, um, I know you're very, uh, you love it a lot. So I'd love for you to speak on that for just a second, if you could. Well, it's, it's the, uh, when you're, when you're made, uh, when you're uh, made a bishop, when you're uh, uh, called by the Bishop of Rome to become a bishop, uh, mm -hmm. and before your ordination, you're asked to uh, pick a, 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 um, a verse, a scripture verse uh, that sums up how you understand your work um, as a shepherd. And this is the verse I chose. Uh, in Latin, but it means uh, God is speaking to us. I will get through, uh, through Ezekiel. I will give you a new heart. I will give you a new heart. Let that sink in. I will give you a new heart. So, how can we fail God? 
How can we sin against God's plan? We could sin against God's plan in so many ways, and your men know this. Today, uh, we are secularist. Men are consumed with their sensuality. Uh, uh, the, the elephant in every room is uh, pornography. Mm -hmm. It is uh, a virus, uh, a cancer, uh, worse than the pandemic, mm -hmm. uh, because it kills silently. It kills the, the heart of men and women, but essentially men. It kills our hearts when you're taking this thing in that you know to be wrong, though it, it grasp you. Um, and, and, but there, it's, not, it's, not, it's not the only sin. Men live their whole lives for uh, their employer and for promotion. Yes, it's to, to give the family good things, but our families need love more than things. Amen. We need a place to live. We need good food, an occasional vacation. All those things are fine. But what we need is mom and dad loving children inside the family. If, if your viewer has, been, has given himself or herself to career only, or if they have a specific sin of the flesh like pornography or, or uh, any other kind of immorality, nothing can separate us from the love of God unless we seek to be separate. Mm. Think of Simon Peter. Simon was the strength of the twelve. He, he uh, in, in however long Jesus was in public ministry, there was debate about that. But let's say it was that synoptic notion of three years. Mm -hmm. For three years, walking throughout the Holy Land, it was Jesus they heard, but Simon organized the caravan. He was mm -hmm. the leader. This man denied knowing Jesus. And according to the scriptures, Jesus saw him deny him. Mm. Then think of Saul of Tarsus. Saul of Tarsus, as a devout Jew, a brilliant Pharisee, loving God, saw Christianity, a little flock of Jesus, as a cancer. And he wanted to go and prison us all. Still, Christ the Lord came to him as light and said, I love you. Be my instrument. He came to Simon. He said, feed my sheep. So back to Ezekiel, God speaking through the prophet. It doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done. Hear me. It doesn't matter how many times you've done what you've done, how many times you confess the same sin. It doesn't matter because God is the defeater of darkness. And as you allow the Holy Spirit to come into your heart again, the gift of faith, he will then give you a new heart. And when you receive this new heart and know that you have been given this new heart, then, brothers, protect it with all that you have and live in that new heart to love your wife and your children and your employees and the neighbor and the stranger and the brokenhearted, for you then will become an instrument of that Lord who gave you newness of life with a new heart. Wow. Thank you, Bishop Talley. Um, one more question I want to ask. Just, I think I would be remiss if I didn't because I hear this a lot and I want to give you know a, a bishop a chance to respond to it. Um, right now in the church, there's a lot of people that are obviously confused. They've been hurt. There's been a lot of stuff. We don't have to jump into it. You're well aware of the hurts that people have felt in the church and, and just some things that seem to continue to raise its head. The devil seems to be stirring up and and trying to pull people away from, from the one true Catholic church. As a bishop, what would you say to people that are confused, that, that 
don't maybe aren't trusting of 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 some of the uh, clergy positions and things like that. What would you say to people right now that you would want them to hear from uh, you as a bishop? That's a gigantic question. I know. I know. I'm sorry. No. I apologize. No, no. I'll I'll say a few things. Okay. The first thing, and this is really important to hear. Your your listeners, your hearers, your your viewers know this but they don't always act on this. Social media is not the truth. Some people speak the truth on social media, but social media is not the truth. And more times than not, it can act as a purveyor of falsity. How many times have you seen somebody that's a so-called expert speak against another on social media? That's not the way of Jesus. That's not turning the cheek. That's not loving your neighbor. That's not forgiving 70 times 7, is it? No. Social media is not the truth. God's word is the truth. So the first thing I say is try not to create in your mind and heart an understanding of the mystery of God and the mystery of his church and the mystery of your life as a disciple of Jesus by all that you hear throughout social media. Instead, look to the local. Look to where you are, your pastor, your bishop, your deacon, your lay leader. Listen to people in the flesh to speak to you about Jesus of Nazareth. Oftentimes, people just like you, John, not with a pure heart, not with a, a longing heart, not with a new heart, will speak about all kinds of things. So the, the people must ask for discernment of spirits. This is what the Holy Father is saying over and over again. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you to discern what is true. And then when you hear the truth, your local bishop, your pastor, an adult leader in your parish, listen to the truth there and stay with the word of God. Everything is built. This is, the, this is a living tradition we have in the church of Christ. And the scriptures are part of that earliest of traditions, a living tradition. Hear the word of God, own it and read it and pray with it. Because no one like me will say anything that is against this living truth that is Jesus, that Jesus is the Lord. Amen. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, right? <laughs> no, never. <laughs> yes, sir. God, God is victorious, and the victory is unfolding before us. Our work is to trust in that unfolding nature of the kingdom and not to seek, seek it according to our timetable, but according to God's timetable. Not because of our plans, but because of God's plan. And you hear that uh, from the Bishop of Rome. You hear that from this bishop, this poor bishop in, the, in West Tennessee. You hear it as we proclaim the kingdom and call for this new evangelization to turn the world towards the Lord again. Amen. Bishop David, it has been such a pleasure to have you on here. I thank you for your time. I think so many people are going to be blessed by your, by your words and by your leadership. 
Um, I just want to say here at the end to folks that uh, this isn't going to be the end. If you want to hear more from uh, Bishop David, we're actually going to record something for uh, the patrons and the supporters of the ministry. So you can uh, sign up for that at justaguyonthepew.com support or at patreon.com slash pew ministries. Bishop David, again, thank you so much for your time. Uh, What an honor it is and, and what a blessing you've been to folks. And I wonder now if you give us one final blessing as we leave here together. Uh, I will, but before I do that, uh, two mm-hmm. things. One, sure. uh, for everyone to know that John is the kind of uh, the kind of man that I want all of you to be, the kind of man and woman mm-hmm. I want you to be. That John is a a, a, a family man. Uh, uh, he knows what it means to work for a living. He's a part of a parish. He loves his parish. He supports his parish and his school, and he does this. This is the kind of work that we have to do together. However you do it, do it with all of your heart like John does. Secondly... Today is the feast day of Josephine uh, Bakhita, and she was, uh, she was sold into slavery. Uh, and so many t- people today are sold into all kinds of slavery. Mm. Uh, but our work, like this saint of God, Josephine uh, Bakhita, is to be liberated by Jesus Christ. With that, let me offer a blessing. Right. Lord God, I give you thanks and praise for uh, this medium. For though uh, oftentimes we hear untruth in this medium, on this day, in this hour, we have heard the truth that is your son, Jesus. Please bless the listeners. Please bless the viewers. Please bless John, our host. Bless them in all things with your living love. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you again, Bishop David. And I will see you real soon. Okay. Thank you, John. Thanks to all. All right. All right.